Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 1-1 pitch is hit. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. It's another episode of Shea Station, episode 121 on Monday, January 2nd. The John Boy Media office is a ghost town, except for your guys at Shea Station. We're hard at work right on the day of the new year. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jolly, a.k.a. Jack. Joining me from Ohio, fresh off a nice Christmas break, is Jerry Blevins. Jerry, how are you doing? Oh man, I've got that itch. This is the time of year. This is it. This is after the holidays. There's no more like this is baseball player lock it in moment because you've been working out. I've been you've been throwing, you've been hitting. But as soon as that new year turns the turns the calendar over, there's no more family vacation weekends off. This is when it's like locked in. And so, you know, I'm still close enough to my playing career where I, I get that that antsy feeling like I feel like I should be doing a lot more than I am. So I'm ready. I'm ready to do some work here, Jolly. Hell yeah. Jerry, we were texting last night. There was a there was a word that I used about how I was feeling about getting back into the swing of things for 2023. Do you remember what that word was? Let me pull it up exactly because up. I don't want to do it. Uh, giddy. Giddy was the you word. You misspelled Jared. it, but I that's did? fine. Fuck. Yeah, it's D-D-D-Y. Right. English major, by the way. I was feeling <laughs> giddy about the 2023. You are giddy, though. You are giddy with uh, with T's, if you want. You're gitty. It's been eight days since we oh. recorded, which seems like an eternity. And Dude, it's only been eight days? I know. It's crazy. But wow. ever since the calendar like, turns. It feels like a real summer break, and then uh, we're back to school together. I was at home, like, watching movies, hanging out, vegging on the couch, and I was like, man, I want to talk about the Mets. And that New Year's Eve hit, and it came and went, and I'm fully geared up now. Like, I'm really talking myself into getting hype because it's setting in that Verlander's a Met. It's setting in that Kodai Senga. My shirt is a Met. Brandon Nimmo's a Met for life. We have so many storylines heading into spring training, which is only now less than two months away, which is super exciting. So exciting. Yeah, man. Um, this is it. And I, and I have, I feel like I haven't talked about the Mets or baseball in a while. I really took off. I didn't do anything. I didn't, I didn't work. I didn't do TV. I didn't do any radio call-ins, right. nothing like that. So I've been like, you know, it's football season here, especially in the Midwest, especially with the Bengals, Browns, Steelers, yeah. big game. Ohio us. State just got their butts kicked. Michigan, you know, they also lost like it's just it's not baseball, but now it's baseball time. Let's Hell get yeah. into it. Well, we should first address the elephant in the room, which is the subject of our last episode. Carlos Correa. It has been I have lost count, I think, 10 to 14, somewhere around their days since Steve Cohen swooped in at midnight to steal away Carlos Correa from the Giants. And we still don't have an official announcement. Now, this isn't really 
news that's been kind of a, a waiting game and waiting for updates on information. And we haven't really gotten anything outside of Ken Rosenthal's report, which is now a week old about the Mets being concerned over Carlos Correa's physical. But from the looks of everything, it still seems like this thing is going to happen and that the Mets are really the only team in play. I've never really seen anything like this before, though. I haven't either. I haven't heard of anything like this. Uh, I've heard of the... So right now they're going through contract negotiations. And since it's going to be a little bit strange because of the medicals, they're going to want some guarantees or a lot of escalators based off of probably playing time, that kind of thing. So they're going to get creative in the writing. And when you do something like that, because it affects the CBA and future players, you got to go through the union as well. So the commissioner's office, the union, the player agent, the player and the team are all trying to figure out what works best for them now. And then in the future, I've seen a few things like this. So, do you remember when the A-Rod trade from Texas, he was supposed to go to Boston, done right, deal? Right. But in the contract, he had decided to give back some money. He was going to take less money, not give it to other people, but the union was like, uh-uh, you're not making less because right. then people compare to you. Understandable. Ended up a Yankee. Anyway, I also remember, um, I can't think of the details, but John Lackey, when he signed his like last deal with the Cubs, there was a medical issue and his contract was like, all right, I'm going to make 18 this year. But if I miss, I'm going to miss that entire year. Then the next year I'll play for like a million dollars. Mm. And so he ended up, I think they traded him to the Cubs for really cheap or something like that from the from the Red Sox to the Cubs. But there there's stipulation that comes with, with medical issues and then the teams get creative in there. So I, I'm, I've seen that before, but I've never seen – where a team and a player had agreed, they got cold feet. And then it seems now like Correa got cold feet over going to San Francisco and was like, now this is my chance. You know, I picked the wrong bachelorette. I gave the rose to the wrong person. <laughs> I, I need to switch it up. And it felt like a bachelor moment. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot at stake, obviously, for both sides. I don't think that's that controversial of a statement. Um, the Mets sold a million dollars in ticket sales the day of the Correa announcement. And I'm sure that Correa does not want to go through this ordeal again. You know, last year he couldn't get the deal that he wanted. He took the the deal with the twins that got him that one year to up his value. He bet on himself and he won. And now he should be, you know, reaping the winnings of that bet. But at the same time, whatever the Mets see with his, his fibula or some surgery on his right leg that happened a long time ago, it's ringing as some sort of an alarm for the later years of this contract. And we talked about it on the Korea episode about how this contract, while it's long in length, really exists for the next three to five years. You really what you want that elite player in your lineup to protect Pete Alonso and give this edge to the Mets that we haven't really seen in a long time, maybe ever. Um, so that's still, I think, the focal point of the contract. But I guess now the Mets are trying to add insurances to hopefully protect themselves when this goes, you know, a decade down the line. Uh, but with all that being said, I am still very hopeful that it gets done because to me, it feels inevitable. Yeah, it feels inevitable because, uh, like you said, Correa doesn't want to go through all this stuff again. He already was the youngest, best shortstop on the market twice. Right. You know, and so. He got a one-year deal, and now he got you know, 13 and a 12. I think it's inevitable. If he, if he, if this doesn't go through, 
by spring training, if he's late to spring training and he goes to another team, I will be absolutely mind blown because this just feels like they're ironing out details. Both sides want it to happen. Um, So I, I still, I'm projecting everything like Correa is a Met. Yeah. And I mean, you know, not a lot has happened the past week because of Christmas and New Year's and holiday season. I think people are kind of taking a break. And I think the office is closed today as well. So knowing the law of Shea Station, because we've just had about a 10 minute discussion on this, it's going to happen tomorrow. And this will all just age poorly. Uh, but that'll yes, be, that'll it'll be, a be good 3.30 ending. in the morning. <laughs> uh, we'll be the only ones asleep. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but the Mets did actually iron out some concrete deals that we are going to get into. We're going to kind of hop all over the place as we clean yeah, up let's do it. the roster updates. But I can't do it yet, Jerry, because we have our first sponsor of the year. And it's first a sponsor. sponsor of the year. Who is it? It's a sponsor that's going to hang out with us pretty much all year. So thank you to them. It is the DraftKings Sports Book. Jerry, your Bengals have a huge game tonight against the Buffalo Bills. And I know you might not be a betting man, but if you're feeling confident in the Cincy Bengals, you might want to go place a bet with DraftKings. And they're awesome, easy-to-use app. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets. If they do, you can earn a 100% boost with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to their app now, place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. Download their app using the link in our description. Use code SHAY for this offer and place a $5 bet on any team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with code SHAY. Thank you to DraftKings for being the first sponsor of 2023. Hell yeah. Thank you. Hell Love it. Yeah. All right. Where do you want to, where do you want to go? We kind of have some places oh, we can go. Let's do, let's do uh, some of the smaller details. I think, I think the James McCann trade has a bigger impact than has been covered. Yes. I think it's yeah. very important. Um, I don't know all the details, so I was hoping you can give me a little crash course, but I think it's really, it's beneficial for both sides that James McCann has moved on. It was um, a shocking destination, in my opinion, and it was a shocking move because I was under the impression, we talked about it a little bit on the show, um, that James McCann was going to be unmovable. And I thought the, the guy that made a little bit more sense value-wise to trade was Tomas Nito. I'm glad it didn't happen because I'm very happy Tomas Nito is a part of this team. Uh, but James McCann gets traded to the Baltimore Orioles uh, for a player to be named later, and the Orioles are going to assume $5 million of the remaining $24 million on his contract. So the Mets once again demonstrate that they're not afraid to cut dead weight. This was, you know, a big point in the middle of the season with the Robinson Cano deal and eating all that money to get uh, that roster spot freed. Now, James McCann, after the signing of Omar Nervais, we kind of assumed that, okay, a move was coming for the catching department if we want Alvarez to be up here earlier, if we want it to not be crowded at the back spot, uh, backstop with all these new guys here. And instead, it becomes a James McCann trade. I'm very curious to see who the prospect who comes back uh, is going to be. But in the event of all this, I do agree with you. It's best for both sides. I think a change of scenery was probably needed. Uh, he goes from a huge market in the Mets to a decent, great baseball town in the Orioles, where hopefully he can rebuild his value and uh, you know reassert himself as one of the better catchers in the game like he was when we initially signed him. Yeah, uh, it's a huge trade. It's The Mets are eating $19 million. Yeah. Of his, he has $24 million remaining. And the Orioles are like, we'll take them and we'll pay five of that. And yeah. the Mets were like, all right, fine. That's a, that's a big, big pill to swallow. <laughs> yeah. 
it's an interesting move because I don't know what they're going to do because the Narvaez signing. So here, their catchers are Narvaez, Nito, and Alvarez, correct? Right. Yes. That is interesting because if it were Nito and Alvarez, that's a clear path for me for Alvarez to be your everyday catcher, Nito to fill in yep. once or twice a rotation, three days on, two days off kind of thing. Um, you mix in a third catcher, Narvaez, who you signed to a big league deal. Uh, he's a big league catcher, but to me, he's in the same kind of Nito-esque yeah. you know, backup. So are they going to carry three and let Alvarez pinch hit on the days that he's not catching? That way they can they can have a backup on the bench. I have no idea where they're going to go with this, but knowing that James McCann went to a good situation, he's not going to be uh, catching every day in Baltimore. They right. have uh, – Adley Somebody Rushman. there. Adley they Rushman. have their own. They have their own Franklin Francisco <laughs> Alvarez, uh, who burst onto the scene. They're a fun up and coming bunch. And James McCann is a great leader. Right, like he's he truly is. I saw he led a lot of our meetings um, when I was in camp in twenty one. Uh, very good person. Very vocal. Very out front. Kind of of the organization, even uh, in spite of his lack of performance. Uh, from from the plate, he still put himself out there. So uh, he's a super professional. Um, I wish him nothing but the best, but it was very important for this roster for him to kind of, you know, get moved along. Uh, and I think it's going to be beneficial because I'm sure he felt the booze and the pressure yeah. of, of that contract and, and living up to it. Um, and they got their guy in waiting and Alvarez right behind him, so... Yeah, I mean, I love what you said about him being a mentor because from all accounts, we heard that he was a fantastic clubhouse guy. And Adley Rushman, you know, it seems like he's big league ready already. He was the best catcher in the second half in the American League last year. Um, but now he gets a guy that he can kind of rely on and go to for advice, a former all-star in James McCann. Uh, the Orioles get him for relatively cheap considering, you know, what the upside could be for James McCann. We saw that in 2019 and 2020. If he returns to that, it's a great deal for the Orioles. But either way... Uh, the Mets do free up that spot. And to me, this kind of signals that the, I think the Mets have a plan that they see Francisco Alvarez as a righty DH option. Now, the Omar Nervais deal is still a little confusing to a lot of people. I still like it because of what he displayed in prior years. He was, you know, one of the better catchers in the National League for pretty much all of 2019. Um, but it does create a logjam, and I'm sure that maybe the Mets don't want to immediately throw Alvarez into the catching position. But also, I think part of that ownership regime and general manager and stuff like that know the capability of the power in that bat and don't want to just have him in AAA waiting for his catching legs to maybe grow it when you have this DH spot that you could use. The obvious complication with that is you have Darren Ruff for two to three more years on this roster. So I do think if that is the case, a move might be coming for him, but how do you move Darren Ruff? And that's another big net loss because you gave up a lot to get him and you're cutting bait pretty fast. So the Mets do have some questions to answer uh, with this 40-man roster, especially at the uh, backstop right now. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we got a lot of, lot of question marks. I think um, the Darren Ruff is... You got to try him out in spring training. See if he's got that pop against lefties out. If he's still got it, the guy that you traded for, then you might be able to squeeze some value out of that trade. But to me, this is the first and largest 
blemish on the Billy Epler regime. Yeah. Because that was a heavy trade. Uh, you got rid of a lot of prospects for an old guy that literally was the worst hitter in the league. Um, but he's had some good years and they saw something. So who knows? Uh, I still think he, they're going to give him a shot because there's no trade value. Um, if they can take a, they can find a taker for the contract. I'm sure they'd give him up, but he's, he's an older man. And, and I, yeah. So to me, as long as you get Francisco Alvarez at bats yeah. regularly in the big leagues, I'm happy. If it's behind the plate, DHing, I don't want to see him get any time off. I don't want to see him. I want to see him get 500 at bats in the big leagues this year. This is that's what I want. That's what you need for a guy to get his feet underneath him that might have struggled or that might struggle to start. You can't give him time off. Uh, that guy that young has to play every day. So if he's in the big leagues, he's in the lineup every day for me. So I definitely that's agree how with I that. feel. You got to figure it out. I, I think the conversation's a little different for guys like Beatty and Vientos, and that's kind of a conversation just for a different show. But with Francisco Alvarez, like it's exactly what you said. You need to find a way to get this guy in the lineup. You've you've recognized him as this generational prospect, the best prospect we've seen from the Mets in a long, long time. And to have him start the year at AAA, I think would be, you know, kind of a, a misleading sign to fans about what you projected and then what you actually did later on. And with Darren Ruff, I mean, it's I agree. I mean, you can't continue the trend of cutting bait. I think it's a good sign to fans that you're willing to cut bait when you know that something's weighing down your roster and it's costing you money and you don't care, but you can't make it a trend because if the Mets continue to do this, it's going to enable other teams to take advantage of that. And it's going to create a sign to the league that there is mismanagement going on with this regime when there clearly isn't because they're making the moves to make this team a world series contender. But at the same time, they really tripped over themselves at the trade deadline last year for this pretty much the second year in a row, if we want to be honest. And with Darren Ruff, you know, part of the allure of the deal was that you had control over him for the next two years. And now that's probably the worst thing about the deal because you have him for the next two years and you can't get rid of him. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a conundrum. So um, we'll see, man. But, but for me, Beatty has to get every day at bats, even if he's in triple a, because he's still young, still needs a lot of seasoning. He has a taste of what it's like to be in the big leagues. He found out, probably for the first time, some of his major shortcomings as a player. And so he has things to work on. And the only way to work on those things is to play baseball. Right. And you can't do that being a bench spot. And our, our team's too deep to rely on a young guy to affect his long-term stability and, you know, how good he could be by giving him a limited role. That's how I feel personally. It's a little bit old school, that kind of everyday at-bats for young guys, even if it's in AAA. Um, I think, you know, I think some of Dom's issues could have been had ironed out earlier on if he could have been optioned down and, and get more at bats in the minor leagues. But I feel like Alvarez has to get every day at bats in the big leagues. And I feel like Beatty's a triple A player right now that needs every day at bats. So however that shakes out, um, just just the Mets are deep enough to to, to make it work. I wonder where Dom Smith's going to end up. He's got to end up somewhere, right? Someone's got to take a flyer. Oh, yeah. Come oh, on. yeah. I'm surprised he's not in Oakland A already. Yeah, come on. Let's go. It's a perfect fit. Get traded. It go really is a perfect fit. I thought it was going to be a part of the trade, but they might get him. I, I'm wondering what he's looking for. That's that's the only thing for me. Um, I assume he's looking for a major league deal and he's getting minor league offers. That's my guess. 
Yeah, and and deservedly so for him. He feels I don't know. It'll be interesting. Whoever's going to get him is going to get a, uh, a a guy that could be a stalwart for their organization for a while. And so I don't I don't know. Yeah. I wish him nothing but the best. But again, that was another guy that that a change of scenery. You know, could, could be the best thing for him. He could be Trevor May's teammate in Oakland, but he also could be Trevor Williams' teammate in Washington. You know, maybe he goes to be Seth Lugo's teammate on the Padres because the Mets have had a lot of bullpen departures this offseason. Pretty much the only area where we've had a ton of departures with Williams and Lugo and Michael Givens going back to the Orioles, which is kind of a fun story. Uh, but the Mets made a statement about their bullpen by making a move that I was very happy about. Mr. Adam Adovino gets his payday, a nearly $15 million deal over two years after one of the best seasons in his career. Jerry, I don't know if you're a savant guy, but I threw his bubbles on our outline because they are just a fun sight to watch. Adam Adovino's back with the Mets, probably not as the setup guy this time around because we've become that much more loaded back there. Uh, But this makes for a very, in my opinion, complete and lethal Mets bullpen going into 2023. That's a great sign. Great sign. Um, this is the, I compare it to Aaron Loop when Aaron Loop mm. had an amazing season because him and Adovino both had incredible seasons. Where a Loop, I I didn't see him love him. Yeah, that's one of the greatest things. But I didn't think it was repeatable because of kind of the you know the regression to the mean of who he is as a player. Uh, I thought that was a good not signing to make him come back because he was so incredible as a Met. Whereas Adovino's amazing season, what I watched, I found very repeatable because he Mm -hmm. was, as you can tell by those bubbles that you put up, he was missing barrels. He was changing speeds. He was pitching as well as using that amazing slider. Um, He cut down on his walks, which was like, you know, we talked about what our projections were for him. I thought he was going to be a righty specialist right. because of how high his walk rate was, but he ironed that out. He, he, if you ever get a chance to, to go listen to his post game interviews or just interviews in general, I, I'm going to try to get him on this show because I, I'm fascinated. I would love it. He's love very, it. very cerebral. And the way he goes about it, registers with me a lot because that's how I thought about baseball and pitching. He is completely ego free where he'll look at what he sees of himself and be like, all right, this is where I'm terrible. How do I get better at that? Or how do I minimize the effect that can have? Um, So I thought what his season was is very repeatable. So I love that signing. Even at his age, he's learned to adapt and pitch in a different way. And he'll continue to do that. That's why I think it was a good signing because even though he's older, what I saw from him and his, his mental approach to the game, if something's not working, he'll, he'll make the effort to figure it out, to get better, whatever it'll, whatever he needs to do to be effective. If it's in his realm of possibilities and capability, he'll do it. I, I love the Adovino sign. I and he still might be our setup guy, even though we signed, you know, Robertson, you, we, yeah. we signed some guys. Adovino stepped up last year. We didn't think he was going to be that guy. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's also an interesting question. You know, who gets that eighth inning ball? Because you have a guy in D-Rob that was getting World Series saves last year. So you have two great options there. Um, are, the, the Mets are so old. It's incredible. 
But I kind of love it, man. I kind of oh, love, love it. Oh, I love it too. It's mostly the pitchers too, which is so unconventional of a team to do. But I mean, it's just loaded with talent. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it, yeah, they got deeper too because they, all right, you put a note in here that I found fascinating. So mm. it's the four mm. of the 20 horizontal slider movement. So the sweeping slider that goes from one side of the plate all the way across and, and wide. Of the top 20 with the most movement, the Mets have four of them and number one and two, correct? Yep. So with Adovino and Brooks Raley, those are the top two sliders, horizontal sliders in the game. They also have Jeff Brigham uh, to a big league deal and then Jimmy Yacobonis to a minor league deal who we saw – What's that? Great baseball name. I just saw. Oh, it's a great baseball name. They we saw with the Marlins. Jimmy Yakabona. Shout out to Gary Apple, my partner uh, at SNY. That's his favorite name in the big leagues. Jimmy Yakabona. I can't think of better. So excited when he pitches. So if you he comes into a game uh, and Gary's on the pre and post game. (laughs) <laughs> he's gonna want to talk about it it's great makes me think of a uh, jordan yamamoto that was another one fun to yamamoto, say yamamoto from name. from the marlins too yeah we keep What's just poaching doing? guys Is from the marlins still with the Mets? nah i think he got released um but r.i.p go good get luck a, to you buddy go get a, he was a nice still. kid nice guy just had a baby yeah has a really yeah. cute dog for anyone who follows him on social media okay um, different kind of baby different kind of baby but dog baby bring it back to adovina really quick i like that you brought yeah. up the the sliders thing in 2021, not one of his better years, I think it was with the, the Red Sox that year, his peripherals were still great. If you go back on Savon, you look at them, he's still you know above the 90th percentile in hard hit percentage, average exit velocity, missing barrels, all that. But as you mentioned before, he wasn't missing bats. He was still you know bottom 10% in walk percentage, bottom 10% in chase rate. And that's something that he rectified with the Mets, so they must have figured something out. When we talked on our PPP, you mentioned that we thought he would be a right-handed specialist. I remember going to some of uh, our, my coworkers after, who are all Yankees fans and had Adovino in 2019 and 2020, and bringing up that point, and they said, no, that's not how Adovino works. That's never been how Adovino works. He thrives as a guy that can get both sides of the plate out when he's at his best. And that's exactly what we saw last year. You had Seth Lugo, who was kind of the right-handed lefty specialist, but Adovino was special because it didn't matter who he was facing. That slider can buckle pretty much anybody, uh, whether it's coming at you or going away from you. And not only did he get better in the areas that he was already great in in 2021, but he did improve that control all the way up to the 77th percentile after being in the 7th percentile the year before. So just an awesome year uh, for him. He gets his bag that he deserves. And another great note is that the Mets did find a replacement for Seth Lugo's efficiency against lefties in David Robertson. So now you have a guy who held lefties to a 179 batting average last year in Robertson, and then Adovino, who held righties to a 161 batting average last year as well. So you have guys that are lethal on both sides of the plate. You can kind of cater to whatever the eighth inning brings you, uh, whether it's you know three righties, three lefties, righty, lefty, righty, whatever. You have options now, and the Mets have done a great job this offseason giving themselves options, not sticking themselves in a corner. Yes. Uh, also, good luck to Seth Lugo and the Padres. Um, happy for him. He's going to get a chance to start. Pretty cool. He's gonna, He's on a very good and exciting team. Um, very cool. I'm happy for him. Uh, I, I, he's going to want the chance to say, I told you so. <laughs> told you I should have been in this rotation. So I, I wish him nothing but the best, man. He is currently slotted in as their number five starter. So he's going to get that shot. He's right behind, you know, Darvish, Musgrove, Snell, Martinez. And if he puts it together and is also a key contributor in that rotation, that is a special one through five that the Padres have over there. 
that we got a, a little taste of on Wildcard Weekend. A little taste. A little bit. A little bit. The shiny ears. He'll be the guy that I root for, though, on the Padres. I have to pretty much dislike them wholeheartedly otherwise. But, okay. All right. <laughs> I still like the Padres. My, my boy Stammon still I over hold there. grudges in my fandom. Come on. I don't blame you. Yeah. And their uniforms are so sick. Yeah, I don't love the City Connects. I'm gonna. I know, don't either. I don't like many City Connects. That's we're getting off topic, but they're yeah, their regular jerseys are incredible. Yeah, and don't we get the Mets City Connect this year? I'm hoping it's got it's got to be this year, right? I think Jack. Yeah, you I think me this, about that. there's a few teams. This is it, right? I don't know. Jack has the wisdom. Let me see. What uh, says. I know every team has to have one uh, based on the deal they have, but I I'm not sure if the Mets is this year I'll or next year. I think more years of year. unveiling. It's got to be this year. I don't know. I think it's. I, I don't really know what the rollout is. Who gets City Connect jerseys in twenty? Well, what do you know, Jack? He knows a lot. Almost nothing. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll find that information. But I'm hoping okay. it's this year because I'm very curious. Because there's a I, lot of. I cool was just stuff making on the. Yeah, I'm curious. It's got to be. Queens gotta be interesting and all that. There's a lot of stuff you can do there. A lot of opportunities for creativity. Um, let's see what else we got. Okay, so I actually want to keep it in the bullpen, if that's all right with you, Jerry. Of course it is. Of Come course on. Of course right. it is. So you're looking at the bullpen on roster resource right now. Um, you have a one through six that I think is firm. Uh, you have Edwin Diaz, obviously, at the back end. Adovino and Robertson we just talked about. Brooks Raley is your new lefty on the block. Drew Smith, one of the only guys who we didn't have to go out and sign. He's under contract still. And then David Peterson, who was pretty good in the bullpen as a lefty down the stretch, could slot into the rotation if we need him there. And that realistically leaves one spot left. A typical bullpen that we've seen in the past has seven guys. It goes up to eight you know, during the season uh, when innings are needed. But you have a lot of guys that are candidates for that right now. You have Jimmy Yacobonis, great minor league name that I absolutely love saying. He's a candidate there. Elisa Hernandez, who we traded for, as well as Jeff Brigham. Their candidates there. Tyler McGill, my guy, still technically doesn't have a concrete spot in this opening day roster right now. And then John Curtis, who, if anyone remembers, we signed last year to a two-year deal with the club option, helped him rehab. He's going to be healthy for 2023. So, And also, Joey Lucchese, the churve, also still doesn't have a spot and could slot into this uh, bullpen here. There's like five or six guys that might be competing for one spot if everyone's healthy come April. So I just wanted to, I guess, you know, get your opinion on who do you think is kind of a front runner in that area. Yeah, so let's start off um, to me. Again, this is my personal opinion. David Peterson, Tyler McGill, just like Alvarez and Beatty, need to be starters. Their value... They're still potential starters for me. So whether it's in the bullpen or, or whether it's in the big leagues or in AAA, those guys need to continue to get stretched out. There's there's their depth pieces. If they don't crack this rotation at the beginning, I don't want to see them personally in the bullpen mm. until we make a run in August, September, and there's no clear spot for them. But I think they're too valuable to not be in the rotation, whether it's AAA. Sorry if that sucks for them because everybody wants to be in the big leagues regardless, but um, you're, in, you're in the rotation. So you're out of the bullpen for me. So it's Edwin Diaz, Adovino Robertson, Drew Smith. Brooks Raley. Brooks Raley. Yep. So that's the five for me. Okay. I still think we could use another lefty. So that might be Lucchese, might be the long lefty guy. Um, coming off Tommy John, he's kind of far removed. I'm not sure what they're going to do with him, 
we'll see what they do with him. He'll probably be the long guy kind of Trevor Williams-esque without the ability to go those I mean, short, that's another short... guy you kind of have to replace, you know? Like, that was an invaluable role last year that the Mets definitely leaned on a lot, and now you don't have that guy, so... Yeah, I think that might be Joey Lucchese, which is... A, it's tough coming off of rehab to kind of get that wild card of never knowing when you're going to throw, so that might be iffy as well. Um, and that actually might throw one of those guys into the bullpen, which I don't want. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, I still think there's a lefty that you and I might um, might have heard of a few times that they need to go sign, and his name is Andrew Chafin. Still out there. He's still out there, and Crazy. there's still a need. Like um, He's very capable. We're going to need some depth. He's a really, really good pitcher. Um, I think the Mets can, can – go out and get him. I would like to see them. If they do that, I think Carlos Carrasco needs to get traded. Mm. Um, that way we can slide one of those young guys up. So there's still a little bit of flexibility. Um, but I, I would like to add him. Uh, John Curtis is, is interesting to me. Um, this is the reason you signed him to that two-year deal is exactly. when he's back, you put him in the big league. So we'll see, we'll see what they got. And then Eliza Hernandez is pretty nasty as well. Um, still young he's like 28 right. um he can figure some things out but he's a depth piece he has options i believe so yeah i think he has one or two i'm not sure um curtis was a 2020 raise guy when they had an incredible bullpen that took them to the world series they have a great bullpen every year but they really enriched him and figured something out he's only ever pitched his most was 44 innings in 2021 so this is still a guy that you're kind of you know you have some question marks surrounding, but when he's at his best, John Curtis fits into this bullpen easily, in my opinion. I'm still of the opinion that one of Tyler McGill and David Peterson is going to be in this bullpen. Whether or not it's for the best for their long-term careers, I think it's something that the Mets want right now and that they think that this roster might need. And as I mentioned before, you need to find some kind of replacement for Trevor Williams. You're not going to get another Trevor Williams, in my opinion. I think that was a very special swingman that could do literally anything you asked him to start a game eat four innings in the middle of a game get a save whatever you needed trevor williams gave to you um with a guy like peterson or mcgill i think they can slot into that role well they're just going to need a, a period of adjustment i'm not sure how they feel about tyler mcgill we saw april 2022 was like a dream come true for me he was one of the best starters in the league in era under two but also never pitched more than six and two thirds innings. So we don't know what kind of length he can realistically give you. He still has to build that arm a little bit. Whereas David Peterson, there's been so many ups and downs. Uh, and we saw, you know, flashes of brilliance last year, whereas 2021 was kind of a big struggle for him. But last year he had, what was it? Nine games as a reliever, 19 games as a starter was pretty effective in both roles. Really found, really felt like he found his footing later in the season. It's, it's a tough call to make. And I do think one of them is probably going to start the year at Syracuse to become that sixth option in case something happens. Uh, but with all that being said, I don't agree that the Mets should trade Carlos Carrasco just because I've seen rotations fall apart quickly. You are you have a lot of older guys in this rotation, not necessarily saying that they're injury prone, but that is a factor you have to think about. And I want the Mets to have as much insurance as possible for this 162 game stretch. Yeah, that was only if they signed um, right, right, right. another bullpen guy. Of course. But, uh, Which they I, might. I don't, I don't want Carlos Carrasco to be traded either, but he is a, a very capable guy, deserves to have a start. But uh, for me, Peterson, 
proved he can handle the load of of innings for yeah. me. Tyler McGill, a lot of it was like those those innings, those higher innings he would get to. That's when he became injured, and you saw them monitor that. Yep. If it's a bullpen, I think they might push him to the bullpen to keep his pitch count down as like number of pitches because the higher you go the more prone to injury every throw gets um and i think that's where he fatigued and if they keep him like that early he might have that mid to high 90s fastball and be able to pitch off that on a more regular basis so that i can see happening but to me they're both still starters um and for me peterson peterson deserves to be in the rotation for me, again, he, yeah. he pitched really well for both, but he proved to me that he's capable of handling a lot as a rotation piece. Yeah, and I mean, there is still a world where the Mets might roll with a six-man rotation and give you know the, the load management that guys like Scherzer or Verlander might need. Obviously, those guys are you know hounds, and they're going to want to get every start every fourth or fifth day. But I definitely envision McGill more in Williams' role from last year. I don't know if it's just the fact that they're a similar profile, they're both right-handed, they both you know kind of cap out at five to six innings, whatever. But I just think that his pitch mix is built for it right now. He's He really struggled with third time around the order when he was a starter, even in his better starts, aside from the no-hitter, obviously. Um, and I just think that it would be so strange to see one of them in AAA. But as you said, like... If they're rotten away in a sixth spot or in the swingman spot, that's not helpful to you and that's not helpful to them. So there, a move would have to be made there. But yeah, I mean, all signs point to the Mets not being done because who knows if they're ever going to be done truly. Uh, and Andrew Chafin and other guys who are very talented relievers are still out there on the market. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. Uh, I just was looking at Peterson splits. Uh, as a starter, he had a 3.8. OPS plus of 96, which mm. is amazing. As a reliever, a 3.68, we're a little bit lower, but an OPS of 119. Uh, he had, he was successful in both. He did great in both. He had some bumps in both. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting. I'm curious to see how I feel plays like, out. I feel like they're, again, their bullpen is very good starting at the back. You have five legit guys. Yep. And then you have guys like Nagosik, who I think proved he's capable of, if they say, this is your spot to lose in spring training. I will be okay with that because he can come out, pitch, pitch, and and have that spot, and then see where it goes from there. Because you're only going to get three more guys, um, and you need flexibility to move these guys up and down. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is their bullpen going forward. I mean, never forget that Darren Ruff had two shutout innings in the bullpen last year. So that's still, that's true. you know, if it doesn't work he'll out. He'll be the designated uh, both both. He's your Otani, if you really think about it. You know, you have one on your hands. That's what the trade was for. That makes sense. I put it together. Otani, clearly the better hitter, but it seems like it's Ruff close. might be the better pitcher, <laughs> statistically. All right, what else we got? Um, last minute cleanup on a couple things before we head out. Uh, Mets signed Danny Mendick who's got a name that we're not going to make fun of. Uh, you know, he, agree, he agrees to a one-year, $1 million deal. Jack is smirking a little bit. It's making me laugh a little bit. Uh, pretty Grow good player. Up, guys. This is 2023. Come on. We're, you're dealing with a couple kids here, right? Um, was good in 106 plate appearances last year. Got injured and non-tendered by the White Sox. Mets scoop him up and get four years of control. It does mean 
uh, the departure of Yoan Lopez, which I wanted to bring up because Yoan Lopez, what an, what an unforgettable Mets tenure, him and Adonis Medina from last year. A couple of heroes. It's a shame. A couple of heroes. They had some shining moments, man. I'll tell you Hell that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But yeah, so that's uh, some infield depth for the Mets. Not a bad move at all. He's also got some options. Just gives them a little bit of flexibility, which I love. Another good supplementary move by this regime. And, uh, yeah, I th- man. I think that's that's all, that's all I got for the most how part. How do you how do you go a whole bullpen episode or bullpen segment without bringing up Montez? I knew Deoka. you were gonna do this. I knew you were gonna do this. There's too many. There's too many of them now. There's too many great options. Montez Deoka just it just feels like a guy that will probably need more refining at AAA. But hey, you keep poking fun. One day he's gonna not, come up. He's gonna. Hey, come I, up. I wish him nothing but success. There I hope go. he's everything that your heart desires him to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get the jersey while it's cheap. Just you wait. Is it say Montez de Oca or is it says I've de Oca? always wanted a jersey with like long like a long name on the back. I think it's Montez de Oca. It says the whole thing. So I want like a like a Jared Saltalamacchia where it like goes down the sides and shit like that. And he's a perfect candidate. Yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> Could be good. Could be a nice Could find. Be good. Man, it's nice to talk to you again. Yeah, Jerry, it's been good. We just killed this an hour. It flew good. by. Crazy. I love it. Um, yeah, man. Let's we'll stay on top of the the Korea stuff. We've got some exciting episodes coming up. Got a fun guest in two days. Yeah, I'm still waiting to hear back from a friend, so we'll see when that goes, and I'll, I'll keep you in touch. But um, I'm going to try to reach out to Adovino and see if we can get him on. Use those connects, Jerry. Networking I'll master. I'll try. I'll try. It's all good. I'll see. I'll see who I can contact. He's got all the friends on the inside, guys. Also, uh, new Mets Rule 5 draft pick, Zach Green, followed Chase Station. So maybe we'll get him, too. Another nice. bullpen guy. Yeah. Oh, speak about. of Teach me about Zach Green. Do you know anything? He's a Rule 5 guy. Yeah, I don't. I should probably know more. But I do know that he was a former Yankee guy. He had some really good numbers in his most innings pitched last year. And he follows our social media, which means that he's already a Mets great. And maybe, you know, maybe we could chat with him, too. Who the hell knows? Yeah, who knows? We got we got space to fill. Zach Green. I'm gonna look him up. He's got a that's a that's a position player name. Yeah, he's got like a second baseman name. Yeah, this is like um yeah he like he plays some some infield. Yeah, yeah. maybe he has. Maybe he's another Otani type. Who the hell knows? Man? <laughs> we gotta ask him. <laughs> that's the truth. All, All right, right, buddy. We'll see you Wednesday for a Happy fun... New Year, Mets fans. Yeah, we'll be recording Wednesday. Are we gonna? We can't leak it yet. We want it to be a big surprise. Are we? It's going to be next week's episode, most likely. Probably. We'll probably pocket okay. it. All right. And we'll we'll probably talk Korea once it gets announced or unannounced. I like the the Kodai Senga shirt you got going on there. Shop.johnwoodmedia.com, guys. Just yeah, saying. thirty-four. That's a that's a former beloved Met that wore that jersey. All right, I forget who it is. Isn't he? <laughs> isn't he a West Coast right. guy? Isn't that? Oh, we might be now. He might be. I mean, you know what? Hey, come on. I'm always going to be a, a Thor lover. I love it. Come on. Good friend. Good teammate. All right. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. See you guys soon. Let's go, Correa. Sign something. Mm. Figure it out, guys. Stop taking the holidays off. Slacker. <laughs>